Welcome back to Eurodell University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and today we're recording this on the 24th of February 2022, a day that will likely go down as the start of a war between Russia, Ukraine, who knows how far it'll go. But this particular day is also an anniversary for something that happened on 2021, in 2021, same day. Jeff, we're going to be reading off an article that you posted at Alhambra Investments. You're Jeff Snyder, the head of global research at Alhambra Investments. It was posted on the 23rd of February, 2022. Quote, a year later, the fact that Fedwire is still there tells us why markets have done what they have done. We're going to be talking about the cherry on top of the sundae, the snowflake that brought down the avalanche, the raindrop that broke the dam, the feather that broke the camel's back. Jeff, heading into the 24th of February, 2021, things were looking very optimistic. People didn't really know about, maybe they did, but it wasn't in the mainstream regarding the Delta variant, right? Things were improving. What else was happening? Vaccines, stimulus. Everything, right? It seemed like everything was moving in the right direction at the right time and the right amount. You know, everything was coming up roses maybe for the first time in a very, 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 very long time. It wasn't just light at the end of the tunnel. It was huge, possible, you know, rainbows and unicorns and everything was going up in the right direction. And it seemed like, you know, for the first time in a long time that we were actually going to recover maybe even better than what we've been expecting at any point during the last decade beforehand. It, it really did seem like there was serious cause for optimism. It reminded me a little bit of 2017 in the sense that we had a political sweep in the United States, right? Now we had one party control-ish of the Congress and the presidency. We no longer had orange people in the White House, which the mainstream tell us were irrational and strange and you couldn't count on them. And now that we had an adult in the White House, we could count on stimulus, spending, some sort of improvement. By the way, we heard all of that in 2017, one party control. That didn't last more than a year as well. So more positive news. And then something happened in the morning on the 24th. And as later we're going to talk about, Jeff, it's not like this is the end-all, be-all. It was just that feather that broke the camel's back. There were other things that were accumulating that we were talking on our show the whole time. We were saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about here? But let's talk about the feather specifically. What happened at 11.15 a.m. Eastern Time? I don't know. <laughs> to this day, there is no information about specifically what happened. What, you know... We do know happened is the Fedwire system or parts of the Fedwire system, I think it was Fed Cash, actually shut down for what we were told back then was operational error. Nothing more specific than that. What the hell does operational error mean? Who knows? And to this day, that's all they've ever said about it. It's just something happened, a computer algorithm trip, computer software fell or failed, a computer itself went down. I don't know. We can't tell you because... Nobody has ever said. The only thing that officials have said is it was not a cyber security event. They want to make sure that, that everybody knows that it was not a cyber hack. Nobody hacked into Fedwire and shut it down. But for reasons that are unexplained to this day, the major domestic U.S. dollar processing, this gross real-time settlement system failed, and it stayed offline for about three hours or so, which caused 
an enormous amount of backlog that all of the banks that operate in that system, including the Federal Reserve, have to clear up in some fashion and some scrambling behavior, the real rush to try to get all these transactions cleared. And that backlog created another backlog, which created other backlogs. And so you have all these services go offline. The Fed's Treasury Market Practice Group, quote, Staff noted that the root cause behind the disruption was identified quickly by the staff and was not linked to a cybersecurity incident. Well, good for them, right? (laughs) They identified it, but didn't tell anybody about it. (laughs) Quote, upon identifying the root cause, staff communicated updates with external market participants and extended daily deadlines while services were brought back online. No big deal. Staff noted that this event underscored the importance of efficient and robust emergency communication procedures and that they would continue building out communication tools to help bolster resiliency in the event of future disruptions. Let's move on. An IMF review of the same incidents. Here's the IMF, quote, no public information is available. According to a statement from the Federal Reserve, it took steps to help ensure the resilience of the Fedwire and NSS applications, including recovery to the point of failure. No further details were provided. Fedwire resumed normal operations after the three to four hours outage. So Jeff, why are we even, big deal, three to four hours. I turn off the lights in my place, my palatial layer, uh, for three hours or four hours at a time. It's no big deal. It's not like it led to a sea change in financial markets. That's the thing. It should be no big deal. This is no momentous, monumental event here. This is a three-hour disruption in Fedwire, which, I mean, it happens every once in a while, every once in a great while. It's not a frequent occurrence, but I mean, I wrote about one time that it happened in 1990, for example. We talked about it. When there was a fire in Lower Wall Street that shut down Fedwire for a prolonged period of time. Nobody remembers it because nothing afterwards happened. The word that I think that we should highlight here and the irony in all of these statements is resiliency and resilience. They keep using that word. Mm. Well, maybe the Fedwire system is resilient, but maybe the entire monetary system is not. The way you keep referring to this, Emil, as a small, tiny little feather that finally broke the system, that's really what happened here. Fedwire by itself is this small little nothing, this little trivial historical case that just otherwise really didn't mean much. It was only down for three hours and There was no immediate downside to it, but that triggered that little tiny, tiny little ember of a spark triggered a cascading series of events that shows up one year later on all of these major charts that we keep showing to people like the yield curve, for example. Yeah, let's pull it up right now. Why does the yield curve flatten ever since February 24th, the day after the day of Fedwire? Because Fedwire by itself isn't the issue. It's that this tiny little nothing triggered what became the next day an almost failed treasury auction for the seven-year note that everybody did notice because it was in all the papers and all the news. Oh my God, the treasury market is falling apart. The seven-year auction. Dealers were noticeably absent from the auction. Therefore, it's inflation. It's inflation. No, the dealers understood very well that because they were still working through the backlog of transactions from the day prior, They weren't really ready for the seven-year auction when it showed up on the morning of the February 25th. It was noticeable. Their absence was noticeable by the lack of bids in that auction that caused the price to plummet. And so it was this cascading effect where, okay, we had this little tiny Fed wire that led to a backlog of dealers trying to clear all these financial monetary flows and interbank settlements that caused them to 
then miss an auction, which then the auction without the dealers there was a total complete mess, which was a reminder that this whole liquidity financial arrangement, maybe it's not so resilient after all. If this little tiny spark can blow up into this big thing in this one auction, what would happen if it was something more than a little spark? And that's why I think you see the yield curve start to flatten on February 25th was because dealers were reminded that this monetary system that seemed to be moving okay, seemed to be behaving all right, at least in late 2020 and early 2021, maybe it wasn't as great as everybody said it was. I disagree with you, Jeff. It seemed to only in the headline, Yes, you know, the headlines, but underneath, as we had been reporting, we were saying this recovery is not good enough. There's not enough conviction in these areas, employment, whatever it was that we were going over at the time, it should have been better. It wasn't starting from August-ish or so. It was a reflation. It was, but it was missing something. And by the time this came around, perhaps markets had had enough and they said, you know, we've been through this three times already, these reflations. They never keep. Here's another problem. Why don't we just take a little bit of risk off the table. You haven't mentioned swap spreads. That's another market where we saw an inflection from reflation heading towards recovery towards after that day, meh, let's reassess for several months. Yeah, and swap spreads are important, not just because they started to compress on the February 25th too, at least the five-year and the 10-year tenors, but you can also see that the 30-year tenor actually had a bump down and started to compress on the 16th of February, after the 16th of February, so a week or nine days before all this, which, I mean, this Fedwire thing didn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, you're right, Emil, because we had said, you know, as this was happening, there were all sorts of other things going wrong, too, or at least not going right, or as you said before, uppish. You know, it was, okay, we're moving in a reflation direction, but there really doesn't seem to be any conviction behind it. And so already in January 2021, for example, you had the Chinese currency, which had been unbelievably strong. All of a sudden, it stopped being strong. And as we know now with tick data, we saw Japan and Cayman Islands, you know, the activity between U.S. banks in those locations started to fall off in December of 2020. So there were already things under the surface bubbling that we didn't see. And maybe the, you know, it wasn't easy to put all these pieces together. But you got to believe the dealers in the marketplace knew these things were going on, knew it was happening. And so, you know, you see the 30-year swap spread start to compress on February 17th. And you think, well, maybe that's a market fluctuation, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe dealers were already reconsidering their risk perceptions at that early juncture. And then this Fedwire thing happens and that leads to the bad auction. And it was just like, okay, Fedwire wasn't the first thing in, the, in that series event. It was more of the latter thing that happened at the end that said, okay, that, that's the last straw. We're, we're convinced that the system isn't resilient. It's actually incredibly fragile. And so we're going to start taking some of our risk off the table. We're going to stop expanding our balance sheets in the way that we had up until that point. We're going to maybe pull back a little bit. And because of that, that's why you see swap spreads in the treasury curve. They start to demonstrate these rising negative possibilities or the, the deflationary potential in those spreads, which said, at some point, it might be more than just a tiny little spark. And the dangers of that in a fragile situation mean you don't want to be the naked swimmer when the tide goes out. You mentioned that the 30-year swap spread seemed to pause on its reflationary trajectory a week before the Fedwire event. 
Bitcoin did the same thing. Its trajectory changed, whereas, but also a week before. But things that timed it nearly perfectly included, you mentioned the Chinese currency, the great British pound. The British pound effectively topped out on that particular day. The Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar did effectively top out on that specific yeah. day. It was a whole bunch of things that illustrates the fact that this couldn't have been Fedwire. It wasn't, you know, Fedwire is not going to do that. But the fact that these things all are coincident is not coincidence. It's that what Fedwire represented or what it triggered or what it meant in terms of this overall systemic structure. The 10-year guilt out of Britain pause, that surge. It was on a surge. After that, it's been paused ever since. The JGBs in Japan reversed. The Swiss and French bond yields for 10-year, they have continued upwards since, but you can pick out the day, you can see it on a chart when they had to also reassess for a time being as to what was going on in the global economy. Copper, the surge paused. Copper was on a trajectory to outer space. It was on an escape velocity. After that, it's trickled upward. Sideways trickled upward, but you can see when the stop occurred, February 24th, and the gold-silver ratio bottomed on that day exactly, meaning that it's been rising ever since, meaning deflationary conditions where silver is less valued than gold. Jeff, those were just the ones I picked out. Yeah, the explanation on the 25th for the seven-year auction was that it was reflation, right? That reflation was becoming out of control inflation, and so who the hell would want to own U.S. Treasuries? But yeah, as we've seen now, I mean, you could tell this in real time, but with the, the benefit of a whole year of hindsight now, you can see how that was never the case. All of these indications you're talking about, the ratio that you just mentioned, flattening yield curve, swap spreads, all of these things are uniformly saying ever since the aftermath of Fedwire, it's been increasingly deflationary, angst, uncertainty, and now ever since December 1st, confidence, growing confidence in the deflationary potential because of what happened back then, which was a reminder that this is a fragile system that wasn't really recovering. It wasn't in any kind of inflationary inflection. It was, in fact, the opposite, which was the system is still in the same broken shape that it had been ever since August of 2007. Nothing had really changed in 2021 except the supply shock effect on consumer prices which led to a bunch of mistaken impressions about what's happening in the monetary system as well as in the real economy. The money illusion that things are, are rapidly overheating when in deep down where it matters in the guts of the euro dollar system, the global reserve currency, this ledger system, it never really went all that right to begin with. And then this little tiny nothing interrupted what little was going right. After that, it was, that was it. That was enough. And we're recording this on the 24th of February, 2022. And it reminds me a little bit of the last reflation and how it ended. We were in a downward trajectory ever since 2018, all throughout 2019, and then came the corona crisis. And therefore, we didn't have to re-examine what led to that downturn. Now we could just point it to this giant matzo ball that hit us and slowed the economy down. We didn't have to worry about, well, why were we slowing down in the first place? And here we are again, 2022, the economy has been, at least since the 24th of February, 2021, slowing down, suggesting warning, disorder, confusion, uncertainty, something's wrong. It's not enough, whatever we're doing. And here we are, we have another excuse, 
markets are going to go haywire, supply chains are going to be disrupted. Now we can blame the Russians. We're again not going to reevaluate, evaluate why were we slowing down? Why was the recovery sputtering out? And we're going to go through another cycle, Jeff. I'm glad you brought that up because that's, I think that's why we want to go over this anniversary of Fedwire to show number one, that this kind of potential has been in the works, in the marketplace, visible on all of these charts for an entire year. That's a powerful statement in and of itself. And then what Fedwire, the, the actual event actually represents, which was it's in the monetary systems, dealers, ledger, all these things, you know, a risk aversion that shouldn't have been much more than a trivial footnote. Otherwise, nobody would pay attention to, even though recognizing hardly anybody paid much attention to it in the first place. They really should. By itself, it didn't really mean anything. But what it led to, what it had created, the fact that we're still seeing Fedwire on February 24th and 25th on all these charts shows that there's something deeper here, and it's it's not just a short-term fluctuation. We're going to be focused on the snowflake, or in this case, the snowball that created the avalanche, as opposed to being concerned about the conditions of the snowpack beforehand. So once again, here we are again. All right, Jeff, that's it from me. I hope you have a very wonderful weekend, and it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you too, Emil. You take care. <laughs> <laughs>